This is Yowie Dan, and you're listening to the Bigfoot Club Podcast. Hey guys, please go to our website at www.bigfootclubpodcast.com. Check out our merch and all episodes. Also, please look for our social media at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Bigfoot Club One. That's Bigfoot Club Number One. Also, check out Matt Knapp's Bigfoot Crossroads on YouTube. Hey everybody, Robert Jesse Dominguez, Bigfoot Club, Season 4, Episode 24. I'm here with my nephew. Oh, yes, uh, Steven. <laughs> Goofball. Um, Thanks. Hey, how's it going this week? It's it's going well. Uh, everybody's everybody's on the path of getting of getting better and healthy and no more no more sickness. I think I'm I think I'm done with sickness and hospitals this year. I think, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> you and me both, man. Yeah, so, especially you. Yeah, you need yeah. to. You just need to. We we yeah, we all need to be healthy, I guess. So Blair had like a procedure today, right? So is she is she doing okay? Yeah, yeah, she had a she had a colonoscopy. Okay, and she's uh, yeah. So let's just say that we very glad that we we did it because yeah, you know, caught some stuff. <clears throat> but she's fine. She's fine. Okay. Everything's fine. The boys are okay. The boys are okay. The boys are still goofy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> I'm super excited today. Today we have in our midst. I, I'm hoping I I pronounce his name right because I always butcher names. Attila Caldi from Australia. Attila, welcome to the club. Thank you so much for having me, gents. And uh, yes, you did pronounce my name right. All, All right, right. Yes. All right. <laughs> hey. So I I usually like I, that's that's like my shtick. I usually like butcher names all the time. And yeah. So. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, mine's not exactly a conventional English name. So. Yeah. What's what's the what's the background for your name? I mean, I'm just curious. It's actually Hungarian, so I actually have a Hungarian heritage. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, my parents came out to Australia in the late 60s, and uh, I was hatched in, in Australia, and I did spend some time in Europe, probably about six years of my life in Europe, um, uh, during the, uh, the communist regime. It was quite interesting, mm-hmm. especially coming from a, a capitalist country, and then obviously post-communist uh, Hungary as well, so I spent some years over there too. So I got to see both sides of the spectrum there. So wow, um, it was interesting, interesting times. Yeah, because I, um, I'm on, I'm on. Like right now, we're on, a, we're on a big run. Where we've already interviewed Sarah Bignall, John Kershaw, mm. uh, um, Gary Lynn, Yowie Dan last week, and now we're interviewing Attila Caldi. So we're on, we're on a pretty good run right now. Yeah, so. yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. Uh, it's just Australian month, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> and like we were, hey, we, why not? We were, we were giving Gary uh, Gary Lynn a hard time. We were telling him he looked like Jason Momoa, and <laughs> and then we were we were telling uh, John Kershaw if he knew like the Hemsworths. We were asking yeah. him like, Hemsworth, <laughs> and so it, and then yeah, we Dan, uh, we were just you know yeah, and then we just we can't help uh, try to at least me like after after we. We're finished with an episode. I'll like I'll I'll talk to my wife and I'll, I'll the Australian accent comes out and then I'm all like, wait, what am I doing? What are, <laughs> she'll be like, what are you, what are you doing? Nice. Stop! Yeah, I go, I can't help well, it. So it's, just, it's just the accent's so cool. Well, we gotta do is spend six months here, mate, and I won't recognize when you go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I kind of like see it'll slip out. Like I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the, you know, we're watching Bluey and you know, just it, it'll it'll come out re- like just I can't control it. It's weird. <clears throat> Attila, I was just going to tell you, um, a couple years ago, a friend of mine on Facebook knew that I was into Bigfoot, you know, and uh, he shot me over uh, your uh, track, Search for Australian Bigfoot Documentary. Mm-hmm. And I've always, like I was telling you off show, I've always been interested in Yowies. And I just love, like, they have, like, weird stories over there as opposed to, the, you know, to the States, um, and I, you know, some of the stories I've heard, I've been, you know, something that I, you would never hear like in like the uh, States here. So I watched it and I was really, I really loved the way you shot it. And like, if I were to shoot a documentary, I would, I would have shot it the way I go, Ben, that's, I loved your angles. I loved, uh, just the way it was like, like the, the like it's flow. It was just very, very good show. And if someone didn't like Yowie's when they watched that that uh, documentary, they probably like Yowie's then. 
or interested in Yowie's after mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. I think so much. Um, look, it, it, the track that Search Australia's Bigfoot was was an interesting little uh, project, and I I really wanted to sort of um, build that topic uh, more of of an introduct on an introductory level because uh, not many people around the world. And funny enough, because I, I, the amount of feedback I got was really really and people were saying, well, we didn't even know that Australia had such rainforests, mountains, regions, all that kind of stuff. So um, it was it was kind of more of an introductory level on, on yes, on the Yowies, on the Australian people, um, and obviously looking at it from an investigative point. And, um, but, uh, look, it was it was quite an interesting interesting journey because some of the things that we encountered, I never thought in a million years uh, that we would encounter that. And Largely thanks to, to Yowie Dan because he basically was was the driver of the story there, um, and some of the places that he took us um, over to Maramara National Park, which is sort of north part of Sydney near the Hawkesbury up there. Uh, that's where we encountered uh, uh, probably the crux of all the activity, um, and this was pre-fire, so this is pre-black um, uh, summer of 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. and. Uh, some of the structures and, and things that we encountered there, I had never in my life seen such structures. I mean, okay, you see the tree breaks and everything else, which I think it's very similar to what you guys have over in North mm. America. Mm. But the the magnitude and, and the size of these trees, like the, the one that uh, I actually created a poster on, uh, this massive tree just sitting on another one just wedged there. And not only that, there was another one that was pulled out that acted like a seesaw. And this thing was ripped out of its roots. And we tried to look for where this thing, where this tree was actually ripped out. And we couldn't find it. So whatever it was and, and whatever this thing did must have either taken out a tree that was fallen out and carried it over there or ripped it out from somewhere else and carried it over there and just stuck it there as a marker. And this thing was so well balanced on this stump. And it was a huge tree. I mean, you know, I'm about 6'4", and I could probably hug it. Um, and just just touched the tip of my, my fingers around. That's how big the, the actual base of this tree was. So some of the things that we encountered there was, was quite, you know, it was it was incredible, and I never thought that we'd actually encounter, especially having a rock thrown at us or th- thrown at a tree and then have it fall over right in front of us. So some of these things that we, we got, I think we were there at the right place at the right time. Um. Because I know you, because I've, I've seen like a lot of your body of work and some of it's paranormal. Um, and I know you were a guest on some UFO stuff, but uh, mm. what got you, what, what got you into cryptids? What, what got you into yaoi's? Because I know you were, you were doing like paranormal stuff first, right? Or That's correct. Well, it, funny enough, um, my interest in cryptids kind of began when I did have some indirect experiences and encounters early 2000s and but it wasn't until i was on an expedition uh effectively this was probably 2007 2006 uh, i was with a a small team of of investigators up in an isolated region um and uh, i have told this story a few times but basically what happened was we were looking for uh evidence of unidentified flying source in the Blue Mountains because there was a, a big flap at the time and there was a lot of theories going around that you know, there was a, a so-called source of this somewhere where there was landing areas so which would have been classified as a close encounter of a second kind. So you've got physical trace evidence and that's what we were looking for. But we managed to find this beautifully high spot which, which overlooked this massive vast valley wilderness. And we did experience some interesting phenomena there but one night when we were actually perched on the edge of this cliff, we had this big rock thrown at us, and it almost hit one of the team members. And it came from nowhere. There was no overhangs, no nothing, so we were at the highest point. So whatever it was actually threw this, this sort of decent boulder at, uh, at us and almost hit one of the crew members. So we're up and looking around and um, couldn't find anything. Uh, one of the – there was a couple who was there with us, and they claimed that they actually heard, like, banshee type screaming in the distance so we thought okay well there's, there's, there's a possibility that we may actually have a yowie so the following day we went and we, we, we looked around a little bit more 
uh, some of the, the ladies stayed there at base campus to keep an eye on, on some, uh, basically on the, on the area to make sure that it didn't take our mind off, off the purpose that they were originally there for. And we were there for, you know, finding evidence of, of uh, uh, UFO activity. So as we, we, we ventured into the wilderness, we got a radio call back from the ladies. And they said that, that there was a rock thrown at them from beneath them. Now, you have to understand that the, the rock that they were sitting on was actually an outcrop, and there was a 20 to maybe even 30-metre vertical drop. So whatever it was through a rock, 20, 30 metres, maybe even more, up high enough to actually almost hit these people. So when we went back to base camp, we spent a and um, we decided that, okay, this is 5 o'clock in September, so it's early spring. It was getting dark. We decided to pack up our tents and get out of it, and that's what we did. So we were basically floundering our way through the ferns and everything else because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a rainforest. And then all of a sudden, something started pacing us and started walking from between the, the trees and, and, and the scrubs there. And these things were smashing the trees. They were hitting the trees. It sounded like, sounded like a bulldozer going through the, the, in between the trees. It was basically levelling everything out. Not that we saw trees and things fall over, but just the, the sheer force of, of the movement of these things that were going through um, the, 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 you know, the, the trees and the wilderness and the scrub and everything else. And we were frightened as anything because we thought, this is it. You know, we can't... I mean, the, the path was so narrow and overgrown that there was no way to run. You couldn't hide anywhere from these things because whatever these things were, they were massive. One of the guys actually had an anxiety attack, so I think we had to stop and, and pick this person up. I honestly thought that, that the person was having a heart attack. Wow. Um, so, so we were on edge, and we actually literally had to carry this person, not pick him up, but actually just you know uh, give him support and try to carry them out. And that was a point in my life when I thought, I'm probably not going to see my wife and my kids anymore. Uh, this is it. This is where it's all going to end because it was so close, so intense, and you're, you're, there's, there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter what you have. And we don't have firearms in Australia. Like, you, you just can't carry firearms. And even if we did have something, I think it would have been in vain because whatever these things were, they were monumental. To, to, to be able to create such force and such movement, you could feel it under your feet, it had to be of significant size. So when we actually got out onto a clearer trail, these things then backed off. But we could hear the wood knocks, and that was one of the things. They were, like, hurting us out. And it was, it was quite intimidating, and that stirred my interest. And it wasn't until later where a good friend of mine, um, Don Mears, actually did a, a, a series called... Don Mears is a, a fellow, is a friend who actually did the Australian Sky series. Mm. But he did something that was called the Spirit Level. And a few of us went out and, and uh, went out to this particular location, although we didn't venture quite as far in. We stayed not far from the car park, and it's a 20-kilometer dirt road. And, and when you get to the end, you know, there's, there's basically an area where you park your car. There's a little barbecue area there and, and, and some toilets, which were recently the National Park years ago. And we were hanging out there, and we, we actually got a call and response that there was something whooping back to us and there was a stone thrown and everything else, and that really just brought back those memories, and I thought, I've got to do something. And that's where my interest started. And I actually did film a very short doco, which is part of the, it's called um, Paranormal Investigators Uncuddled, B.I. Uncuddled. And I've actually put some of the, uh, the previous experiences that I had back in 2013 when I started filming uh, or making inquiries into the Yowie phenomena here in Australia in the Blue Mountains. So you, you were doing UFO, UFO stuff. That's where you met Yowie Dan, right? And well, that's right. And and that was probably in the early two thousands. But um, Dan actually, when we met up, when I was uh, planning uh, track search for Australia's Bigfoot, and I approached Dan, and, and we met up uh, at a uh, at a small pub up here uh, at the crossroads uh, in, in at Southwest Sydney. Um, and Dan actually said, "Well, you." you you probably don't remember me, but I actually used to go to the meetings that you used to. Oh, that's oh wow, okay, that was a long time ago. So yeah, Dan was uh, that. That's where I actually met Dan. So yeah, it was quite a while ago. Did you know he was had big? I mean, uh, Yahweh experiences, or did y'all did y'all talk about that? Or we did, um, but see, when I was doing research into um, 
doing this this documentary, and I bumped into Yahweh Dance Portfolio and looked at his videos and everything else. Um, I, I knew that you know uh, that this fellow actually had his fair share of experiences, and then when I met up with him, he actually showed me some more videos, and, uh, some images of, of the uh, evidence that accumulated over this investigation. Tracking the search for Australians Bigfoot, I'm. It was a really, really good show. I mean, I'm not just saying it because you're on the show, but um, I don't watch a lot of documentaries anymore. I just don't do it. I just um, – because I've met a lot of people in North America, and I've talked to a lot of people, and people ask me, and people send me, like, stuff all the time. Have you seen the show? Yeah, I I already – I talked to that guy. I already know him. Yeah, I don't don't watch a lot. So – but whenever I watch yours, because I've – like I said, I've always been intrigued with Yowie's and – Yahweh stories and um, I just thought it was a really really you know well done documentary and Stephen what you know what did you think of it uh yeah I mean I you got me to watch it I think it was last week I think um and I was I was really intrigued of like how you said how he shot it it was definitely like just like there's like I think there's some scenes too where like he it's obviously reenactment. Uh, there's no way Attila would have been like, "Hey Bigfoot, can you put your hand <laughs> by the tree yeah. real quick?" Like it actually <laughs> looked it looked real. Yeah. Like the way he just did the fingering, like the not the fingering, but like the his fingers on the tree. <laughs> uh, and it was just just the way it was shot. It was great. Now I will say this though, what what really caught me, and I I told Robert this too off show, is that is that. It's obviously Sasquatch or Bigfoot, Yowies, whatever. They're different in every region, but it's like they still communicate the same way with tree with tree branch, like the way they were doing like the structures mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting, it, and then I, it makes me wonder. Like, the, I'm pretty sure the Yetis do that too, uh, skunk apes. Um, but yeah, no, it was almost almost and all yeah. that stuff. So yeah, it's it's and then <clears throat> <clears throat> looking at the. The wilderness where they were at, it just looks, no. It looks completely, I, if I was there and you're you going to bring me out there, I would have a really hard time being, de- and I'm freaking, Yowie Dan do, does it in thongs, the <laughs> flip-flops, and I'm all like, why? Like, there's snakes out there, there's spiders, huge spiders. Yeah. No, that's just not for me. I, I, I'm i going to be wearing steel-toe boots. And, and Well, look, look, I mean, I mean, all things considered, I mean, you know, okay, we do have some venomous spiders here. Some of our largest spiders, uh, like huntsmen and things like that, I mean, we do have what's known as a barking spider, which is, uh, for lack of a better word, it's almost like a tarantula. We don't meet them very often. I think more so, you know, snakes you will get, uh, brown snakes and black snakes, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, if you make enough noise, they don't like it. So they will move away. Um, uh, we don't have, like, I mean, we do apparently have wild cats here because uh, they have panther sightings here. Um, so we have those. But there, I think there has been one report of a panther attack um, many years ago. But apart from that, um, guys, we don't have bears. We don't have wolves. We've got dingoes. We've got wild dogs, which you've got to be careful of. Um, and the occasional larger kangaroo, especially if it's mating season, you've got to be very careful. But really, yeah, it's 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 it's... It's not as dangerous as, as some people make it out to be. Mm. If you know where you're going in the right place, uh, if you're with somebody that um, they know what to do for, they know how to be careful in this fucking bush. If you get used to it, then it's, it's second nature. Um, I've been out in the bush with, with Dan, and, and I've been out there for, for many, many years. In fact, I've been hiking out, in, especially up in the Blue Mountains, for over 20 years now. Um, and, yeah, I've bumped into snakes before, but I've never been bitten by a snake. I've never, knock on wood. Know, I've never had it. Yeah, no, let's knock on wood on that. So, yeah, <laughs> but so, um, yeah, I, I was just gonna say it, 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 it's beautiful country, man. Uh, yeah, it is. The Blue Mountains, it, it looks beautiful. I mean, I, uh, Yowie Dan was sending me like, I think he sent me like 50 pictures. Mm. <laughs> he, he texted me like 50 pictures, and they were all beautiful. And I go, oh my god, I, I, I gotta go to Australia. So, <laughs> I'm really, I'm actually really intrigued about the Blue Mountains. I feel like that's a beacon. Of all weird things there, I think it's. I don't doubt it. It's it's definitely. I think every every uh, uh, paranormal stuff or something like that, UFOs and, and Yowies and Bigfoots, all that. They all there's all some type of marker in, in on the Earth that is just it has so much energy. Probably and, probably the people trying to cross the Blue Mountains too in the early, 
years probably you know some people passed and yeah and their spirit and energy's there so i don't know so it's it's definitely a, i say it's a hot spot because every every like a uh when i was doing research on like you know reports and all that stuff ufos and all that it's it's always mentioned like blue mountains yeah and i'm like wow mm. that's interesting mm. well the um uh uh, uh there's a series that I filmed called Paranormal Investigators Phasmophobia. And mm-hmm. Phasmophobia, as we all know, is a fear of ghosts. If I remember correctly, I think it was the third and fourth episode that we filmed was probably the most active and the most intense, um, I guess, when I say paranormal, I'm talking about ghostly activity that we ever had. And one of the guys actually uh, got affected there and, and taken over by, by a spirit. Um mm. That's up in the Blue Mountains, um, and it was uh, I. I was, on, I was on another podcast, um, and we referred to that as the Australian Skinwalker Ranch, mm. and yeah, and that is on the fringes, you know, of, of the uh, national parks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly gone now because it's, it's got so dilapidated that uh, it, you know, the seal is so okay. There's a lot of asbestos there, so it's it's pretty much history that place. So there's there's Basically, yeah, it's it's gone uh, from a certain perspective. But uh, oh, that's too bad. That again, yeah, it is. But that again, um, it used to be, and someone actually told me that they believe that used to be uh, an indigenous uh, area for indigenous women that they would uh, potentially do, you know, rituals and and, and ceremonies there. So, mm. um, but uh, whatever it was there appeared to be primordial in nature so um, it was yeah it was it was a very very intense few years because we actually first went there in 2007 just went to um i mean we knew the the person who owned it so we had no issues going there but um over time it just deteriorated so much but the activity there was absolutely insane and i mean i filmed you know ghost hunting stuff over in europe abroad and, and nothing I, there I saw that that was very intriguing too I need I need to watch phasmophobia yeah and was, and the ghost and the ghost of Europe that's was really good that's yeah. right because I saw track I tell I saw track and I actually got really intrigued with the, uh, um, was it Don Mears Australian Australian skies too yeah yep and yep, that's uh, right yeah so yeah. I, I I did watch that and uh, yeah I mean I was telling them about uh the ghost of Europe. Uh, you went over to Chernobyl, and that's that right. that was that just looked amazing. I go, oh my god, that's like one of my. It's like a bucket list I'd like to go to. So yeah, just going over there, yeah, because I I didn't know anything about Chernobyl until the the HBO show came out, the mm-hmm. Chernobyl, Chernobyl Diaries, and I I didn't realize. I think you t- you told me about it. Yeah. when I was a kid, and I was all like, oh okay, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I didn't it didn't really intrigue me, but I didn't realize how how dangerous that that whole thing was and, yeah and, yeah and i was like 15 when that came out so i was i was it's pretty scary that, that is, so. if that if that wasn't taken care of i didn't realize how much of everybody was going to be in danger over there yeah Absolutely. I, well go ahead go ahead i'm sorry so, sorry what i was saying is back in 2017 when we were going over there the russians had already mobilized their troops close to the Ukraine border so we were prepared for anything to happen back then, um, and we already had contingency plans in place in case an invasion did happen. And this was not far. This was like 2013 or 2014 when they had the civil war over there, um, the unrest, um, and we actually saw the aftermath of that in Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. Um, and now seeing the war over there and, and some of these places that we went to, it's quite likely that they may not be there anymore because of the, the atrocities that are being created over in Ukraine and the way you know the, the, the country is being treated by the invaders so it's yeah I'd say a large portion of that now where we went in some of these small settlements which actually didn't make the cut but we actually did go some of these small settlements may not be there or if they are they might be just, just completely annihilated yeah I was watching some of the uncut stuff and I was watching when y'all were going to the river and it was like these huge catfish. They were yeah. like they were like yeah. massive. <laughs> Size of sharks, basically. Those things. They were huge. I, when we saw them, I, it was unbelievable. Um, and because no one's touching them, uh, you know, no one's fishing them because the water is you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's contaminated with radiation. Um, 
these things are just left to live on their own to their own devices, and they don't just grow like crazy. Yeah, that was that was super crazy, and oh man, I I mean, catfish. Yeah, I mean, I it looked like you. I mean, I I could tell you were excited to be there, and and mm. at the same time, you know, you had a, a some uh, a trepidation, and you know, with the the government and stuff like that. So, man, you you know you're you're living the life doing that. I mean, I wish I I wish I could go do that, but. Uh, Man, I, I, I'm envious of you. I would just say that. <laughs> oh, look, I appreciate it. Um, I think that for me it was, a, um, uh, it was a journey because I know that my well, my background with my family spirit from Hungary, you know, they, they had their, their own experiences, um, you know, and I heard these stories. And I also personally have had my own paranormal experiences in Hungary. And uh, for me, it was basically just going back and, and retracing some of these these, these routes that, um, mm-hmm. that also some of these experiences that I had, and going to some places where I thought, okay, well, it would be quite interesting to go here and to see, um, you know, and see what's going on, um, and especially where you have abandoned places like I mean, Chernobyl's, and even the surrounding area because there's what's known as an exclusion zone, um, and it's quite large, so it is outside of Chernobyl. Um, and that exclusion zone encompasses Pripyat, which is the workers' village, which most of the filming went on. Um, but also the exclusion zone where uh, all these buildings have been left abandoned. And I mean, we actually pulled up into this little town, this little village, actually not town, it was a little village where this abandoned school was. And there was only one light on in that little settlement. There was one light. Wow. And that light was a was a, an old uh, television set that this, this guy who who refused to leave and he was running it off a generator and he was watching this old, I think it was a black and white TV as well. I, I'm trying to think. I think that we all looked at the hell. I mean, you know, this is something from a movie. Um, and there was only one person that was that was living in that little settlement. So that's why we explored this this um, this creepy school that was, oh, yeah, it was, it was just another. He wasn't, was on a whole level. He wasn't sick or anything like that? I don't know because we didn't actually go up to him. It was actually getting dark by the time we got to this. Mm, okay. Uh, this, got to this little little town, this little village. So, and yeah, he was just in there. We could see clearly like he was just sitting in this old couch just watching TV and that was it. He had a Jenny running in the back. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think that that place actually had power because otherwise he running the back. Watching TV. So... Yeah, it was. It, it, it's just another world. You you get to see another aspect of of the world, and when you're making inquiries, especially off the left field, because um, this is a niche genre. It's not for everybody. But over in Europe, you have to understand, especially in Eastern Europe, people don't go like so-called ghost hunting or investigate the paranormal. If there are, there's only a handful of people, and they only do it out of interest. But uh, the interesting thing is that. Back in, if I rewind back in 2015, I actually filmed a, a documentary called Desolate. And my daughter and a good friend of mine went there. And we actually just went cruising across Hungary. And we went into these abandoned places. And what I did is I actually included those those segments in, uh, in PI Uncut or Panel Investigators Uncut. And we went to Castle. We actually got locked in a castle. Um, for for about four or five hours, because I wow. we went up to the, the castle captain and I said, mate, you know we're from Australia, from the doco, would it be okay for you know some filming here? And I and I said, look, you know what I'll do is I'll come back and I'll and I'll do a, a promo video for you. He was really happy with it. He said, yeah, no worries. If we shut at seven o'clock, you guys can go in. We'll lock the gates and we'll come and see you at eleven o'clock. And yeah, we had the whole castle and the whole area there to ourselves. There's nobody else there. So. You know, these were opportunities that otherwise wouldn't have in Australia, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and nearly every single place that we went to, there was something that was going on, and it's just incredible, and people just don't like talking about it, because they believe that they may invoke, you know, these spirits or invoke these energies into their own place, um, and it's, a lot of people just, yeah, just, just, just completely avoid the topic altogether. Do you get, like, any kind of attachments whenever you were in Europe, and... Chernobyl and these castles? No, not really. Um, I, I don't recall ever having. I have been affected by energies, and it mainly happens uh, here in Australia. But uh, no, not really. It's you know I see the world through the lens. Mm. Uh, 
you know that's that's how I see it. So, uh, from a certain point of view, I feel protected that way. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds weird, but you know, for me, it's almost like I'm I'm somewhere else and I'm remotely viewing this thing, even though I'm I'm there. But I I, I guess find uh, comfort in the fact that I'm actually behind the camera and I'm watching the world through the lens. So you're you're basically just uh, recording and you're not inviting or. Uh, invoking or or kind of pushing whatever's there to respond, right? I'll let other people do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, just, I'll just film them. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, because like now, I mean, I, t- I, have a, I have another buddy named Matt Knapp, and he does Bigfoot Crossroads, and he and I, we kind of grew up together uh, doing Bigfoot research, and now we're, we're doing podcasts. And he, so he's always talking about you know, Bigfoot researching and stuff. I, I said, dude, we don't do that no more. We're, we're cryptid sports entertainers. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I oh mean, we, we report on people who do it now because we've done it. We don't do it anymore. You know, I've done, you know, calls and tree knocks and put bait out and, you know, put cameras up. I've done all that. So I don't do it anymore. So now I'm, I'm just like a reporter. I report what other people are doing. So, but that doesn't mean that we'll, we won't go to certain places that we. Yeah, if someone asks me for help, I'll I'll go help them. But you know, other than that, we're cryptid sports entertainers. But hey, yeah, it's but, it's good to talk about. You yeah. Know. yeah. Look, it is. Um, I mean, look, I look. I have to admit, I did I did ask questions. Like I did sort of throw out questions into the to the ambience there, and and when I was over in Kiev, I just used one or two keywords that I leave that I learned uh, that were uh, Ukrainian. And in Hungarian, I, I basically did the same thing. So I used a few keywords out there in Hungarian and my daughter as well. And we were filming at the time. So um, she's, a, she's a film student. So she's uh, uh, going for her PhD in documentary filmmaking. Oh, she's fantastic. Like, uh, yeah, well, she's been, she actually has been with me on, on many of these journeys. Funny enough. She's done a fantastic job. Um, actually, she started when she was about 12 or 13. That's my producer. And, uh, I did a, a little documentary with her called uh, My Project UFO, which is on YouTube. And we filmed that back in 2012. And that was her first sort of basic camera uh, experience. And uh, the whole angle of that was basically like she was doing a, a school project and she decided to pick UFO, uh, the UFO uh, phenomenon as, as part of her project. Actually. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd go around and we interview people. And, yeah, it was just quite an interesting, uh, an interesting little experience. But yeah, that was back a long time ago. Now, so, yeah, so, wow, you know, ten years ago. You, yeah, you were a good dad, man. I, I well, I like. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to ask my kids that, but <laughs> I hope so. I uh, I tried to expose them to the right elements. And, I mean, you've you've inspired her to do to you know to do whatever you're doing, which is I think is it's great. Mm-hmm. No, it is. I'm, I'm extremely proud. But we're actually proud of both my kids because I do have a boy as well, and he's studying um, he's studying animation at the moment, so nice. character creation and animation. So, uh, I, so I we're like basically it. a media family. Yeah. I we have to talk about it without. I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to give anything away. Uh, mm. Tracking the lore. Can you yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Not too much but i can we talk about that just a little absolutely bit? absolutely it's it's very different from track search for australia's bigfoot um effectively what happened is a large focus on on the environment and what happened during the black summer of 2019 and 2020 um, and how that affected our landscape because a lot of the places that we went to in track search for australia's bigfoot basically got reduced to nothing but but charred posts of, of, of what trees and, and brushes used to be. It, it literally turned into a moonstone. Um, and it was one of the probably biggest fires ever reported in Australian history. I mean, these 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 were crazy, crazy fires. Um, and the temperatures that some of these fires reached were just insane. And, um, you know, it created its own weather pattern. We had fire tornadoes. We had basically everything you could imagine. A lot of people suffered. A lot of people died. Uh, there's a lot of properties that were lost, but I think the focus here was is how the environment was affected by this. And by looking at it holistically, it also encompasses how would the Australian Bigfoot, the Yowies, or the Dooligal, or the Junjadi, or the Wadagadal, 
how would have these species, which is part of the, the big, big, big family in Australia, how would have they survived this? Or how would have they responded to fires like this? And the only way I was able to get uh, a, a clear perspective was looking at it from a traditional point of view, looking at it from the traditional custodians of the land. So I managed to, um, I actually made good friends with these uh, Australian Aboriginal elders uh, and they talk about the Australian people uh, and their relationship and their culture and how it uh, encompasses this Australian people. So they took me to this site, which has only been seen by a handful of people. And I think I was only the, probably the third white fella who actually went out there and actually had the privilege of visiting this, this they call it, it's, it's an art gallery, basically. Uh, apart from the National Park Rangers. But it is it is a known area for the local Indigenous community to go there and do these ceremonies and pay their respect to the ancestors. These drawings date back in excess of 12,000 years, and there is a drawing there of a large duligal, which is the Australian bit for the larger version of the Australian bit. Because we do have two versions. We've got the duligal, which is on the east coast of Australia, is just the larger version, just like Sasquatch is and mm. the, the Bigfoot is. And then we have the smaller version, and I think uh, yeah, we Dan actually covered this. And in parts of around the Blue Mountains and the parts of the East Coast, it's known as the Junjiri. Mm-hmm. But further down south, they're known as the Wadagada. So they're the little folk. Um, and essentially, the these paintings actually represented their connection, uh, ancestry connection between the Australian people and Australian indigenous. Uh, ancestors and the current community as well, and how important it is uh, this connection between land and culture, and it's actually expressed through the documentary. So um, there's 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 a a, a a a valuable element to this this documentary that doesn't just focus largely on, or doesn't completely focus on the Australian people, but it also focuses on on the indigenous and how we can prevent fires like this and, and what actually happened to the land. And then obviously we trail on, okay, so what happened to Bigfoot in these in these nasty fires? Did they migrate or did they go to safer areas or were they a victim of it? So we, we engage in other professionals. Um, Dan, again, was, is in this. Uh, he did a fantastic job. We actually went out to places, went throughout New South Wales. We just searched and looked for signs of where these, uh, where uh, if they did migrate, where did they go? We spoke to uh, the guys at AYR, Gary Lynn, as well, as well as the other guys, Dean Harrison, uh, Buckingham, and the, and the other fellas out there of the AYR group. They were fantastic. They had this fantastic thermal imaging, uh, uh, thermal imaging footage of of the Australian Bigfoot, of these large dooligars. And um, uh, we also interviewed a lady by the name of Katie Austin, and she writes Australian cryptid tribe, uh, cryptozoological tribe, and she actually reported one with her camera getting up from behind the trees up in an area called Barrington Tops, which is a mountainous area uh, not far off the east coast of New South Wales. So we, we cover this large area um, and and we look for signs of, of, of migration and if that migration actually happened. So it is... It's, it's a very detailed documentary. It goes into culture. It goes into, I guess, in more depth than the first documentary. Okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see it. When, when does it come out? Well, um, my distributor at the moment, so we, we've, um, Gravitas Ventures is our, is our distribution agency, um, and they've uh, given us, I believe, the 6th of December release. Okay. Uh, I know that it's going on Apple TV and iTunes. Um, they're working on other platforms at this point in time, but we will notify everybody through the Facebook page and the website um, as soon as we find out other platforms. So, yeah, let me know whenever exactly going to come out, and I'll, mm. I'll post it on our page. I'll talk about it on our podcast, or if you want to come back on and, and talk about it again, I, I'm, I'm, I would love it. So Happy to do so. Yeah, no problems. So... <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one. Um, I just want to ask a question: Is is our buddy John Kershaw on this one? He is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he is because uh, the the documentary towards the end does take a turn. 
um, and uh, that's all I'm. I mean, yeah, yeah, you point. don't. We don't. We won't talk um, that much about it. But I was, I was, no. I was watching that trailer, the one you sent me, and I was like, I watched it, and then I was at work, and then I, I was playing it again while I was working, and so I, I had a screen up, and I was typing, I was typing up an email, and I heard John Kershaw's his voice, and I go, wait, I, I, I you know, I minimized the screen, I went back to the thing, and I rewind. I go, that's John Kershaw. <laughs> So, so I did a screenshot and I sent it to Steven and I go, look, I go, John's going to be in this documentary. So, Absolutely. Like, oh, handsome lad. Handsome lad. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Look, John, John, John's a great guy. You know, um, his experience is, is, is fascinating. And, mm. um, uh, it, yeah, it, we've also got another, well, uh, there's also another, another, uh, report that goes in uh, after John's as well that, has strong relations to his. In fact, it correlates his report mm-hmm. uh, down to a T because the uh, the report actually comes from within close proximity from where John had his experience. Right. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, whenever we interviewed him, I think we talked for like almost four hours. Mm-hmm. But we were just talking, and I, I go, so right now we, I think I, I text him or I message him like every other day. And we just yep. we just constantly talk. So uh, I know yeah. he he bought a um, what was it um, a drone a drone, and he was telling yeah. me about it. And then I bought one, and so I was showing him like mine, and we were comparing notes on it and stuff like that. So, yeah, so he I know he was excited about that, and he's got some uh, some thermal stuff out, and uh, yeah, I really really like John a lot. So I just wanted to ask that question. So if he was on the no, hundred percent. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, John, John John's a, a great fellow. I mean, yeah, he's uh, he he's also from a, an indigenous background as well. But I actually mentioned that. But um, uh, but uh, he's um, his experiences is quite fascinating, and uh, it just it's just had to go in. To the yeah. end of the documentary film. It, it yeah, we, I, I, yeah, we won't, we won't get too much into it because I, 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 yeah. I don't want to spoil it because that's, that's too important. Uh, we can talk about other mm. stuff. So, but uh, a little birdie told me that you are like an encyclopedia when it comes to UFO stuff. Is that? Oh, I wouldn't call it encyclopedia, <laughs> but I, <laughs> um, I've, I've, um, I've had my fair share of experiences and you know talking to people, all that kind of stuff. Is absolutely. I was going to tell you there was a, an experience I had. I, don't, I wanted to tell you this. I wanted your take on it because I'm not, uh, you know, I'd like to talk to people about paranormal stuff. And I like to talk to people about UFO stuff. So I'm not sure where this category goes in. So I wanted to tell you this really, really quick story. And you tell me which, what you think it was or what are you, your, your thoughts on it. But um, I, was in, I was in Oklahoma and I was in a rural part. It was called, it's called Moyers, Oklahoma, which is the, the, the foothills of the Kimichi Mountains. So it's pretty rural. And a buddy of mine had some property there, and he, you know, he built a cabin. And uh, in order to, in order to be on this mountain, you have to, you have to, you know, like own like a portion of the land, and you have to. There's like a security guard at the front gate. You can't just go up. <clears throat> and so we were, we were sitting there, we were waiting, uh, and we were going to do some Bigfoot stuff that night because there's a lot of Bigfoot activity in this area. And he had this neighbor that was right down the road, probably like a hundred yards from us, and. Uh, whenever they were there, they had chopped wood. And so um, whenever he would show up, we would go there and trade beer for chopped wood. So we don't have to go look for wood. So uh, there was this car coming up the road. And I was telling my buddy, I go, hey, your neighbor's here. Let's go. Let's, I go, let's go over there and get some wood. And he goes, okay. So we, we grab a six pack and we started walking up the road and this car was coming up and we could see it was headlights. And then as we're getting closer to this vehicle, uh, Attila, uh, we noticed that it wasn't a motor. There was no motor going. It was nothing. And like, we were noticing that's not a car. And this, these headlights saw us and it stopped. And then these headlights just went into the woods and they were like, they were like, you know, going around trees and they were changing colors. They were changing like from, you know, to white, to red, to yellow, to orange. And they were like, and they were gone. And whenever that happened, I, 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 you know, I told my buddy, I said, let's go back. Let's write down what we saw and let's compare notes. So we went back. We didn't say a word to each other, wrote it down. 
and then compare notes. And then we, we agreed that we both saw the same thing. So, I mean, I don't know if that was paranormal, if that was UFO. I have no idea. And, I, you know, whenever we're in the woods doing Bigfoot stuff, we always run into something weird like that. I just wanted to get your take on that. It's funny you should mention that because, um, you know, when we were filming both documentaries, uh, you know, going into the wilderness actually just invites other things as well. So I, I, I don't, I don't believe that there's necessarily a, a connection between you know batteries or other forms of paranormal activity. Although I could be wrong, but um, it just you just have to be in the right place at the right time that things are just happening. Um, it sounds like very similar to what we call here in Australia the Minion Light. Um, Don Mears actually did a really good documentary called Search for the Min Min. Um, so if you guys go to Tubi TV, it's actually on there, or if you've got Discovery Plus, it's, it's, it's on there. And I actually I was involved in the making of that as well. I was the DOP out, uh, out of Julia filming. And there's been a number of occasions where people have been followed by, you know, these... Uh, um, these mysterious or elusive lights and they'll either tailgate you or go through your car. Very similar to ball lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it doesn't have that effect that it burns everything that it sort of touches or goes through balls. But um, no, Australia does have a long history of the Min Min light. And we actually went out to the Min Min Creek uh, where this whole uh, mystery, uh, well, the, uh, the colonial... Uh, story began, but uh, Indigenous people will tell you that, that uh, these so-called Minion lights actually date back before uh, European settlement here in Australia. Um, I mean, as to what they are, we don't know. There's some kind of nocturnal lights, um, or are they paranormal? Just it's it's hard to, to actually point your finger and say, well, it's definitively this or definitively that. Um, there, there could be many different explanations, but until you have some form of evidence laid out in front of you that's irrefutable you really it's really hard to say as to what they are it's it's just something of nature that we don't understand yet i believe but there, there are there are atmospheric phenomena uh, that's that's created through temperature inversion and refraction of light um and uh i mean we've actually had first-hand encounter of that when we were filming but there is another more inexplicable version of that, which you can't explain away, but, you know, but that's very efficient. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> that, that is scary, though. I remember you were telling me about that, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, there's um, the Kimichi Mountains in Oklahoma. They've just got a lot of weird stuff happening in that area, and it's just... Uh, you know, we, we've always had other stuff happen. Because like I was explaining to Dan last week, we were putting up uh, game trackers around this one area. And we didn't get any Bigfoot stuff that night. But we got like a, like no head, but like a shoulder, torso, stomach uh, image of something walking past the camera. And it, mm-hmm. we could we could wow. hear it. We could hear it walking. And we had thought it was a Bigfoot. And but we couldn't see nothing over there. We you know we put our our night vision up and we didn't see anything. So we went back the next day and we looked at the camera. We pulled out the SD card, started looking through it, and it was just like a a body torso just walking through that area. And it was it wasn't a bigfoot. I mean, I don't know. I've always said you know bigfoots have to die, and apparently they, they should have spirits. I mean they're they're flesh oh, and blood. So absolutely. Uh, look, uh, and just on that note, I mean when I was in. Uh, interviewing one of the uh, elders, and he actually does mention that um, you know uh, the, the Duligar here out in their region, uh, they will still remain as guard because they, they they were known as the guardians of the land. They looked after the they kept the balance of the ecosystem, and he does mention in the documentary that whether they're alive or not, they still remain as guardians of the land. So just as we have human spirits appearing in front of people and we also have animal spirits i mean it's you know uh, undoubtedly we would have spirits from from these people these forest folk as well Mm -hmm. without without question i was going to ask you um i i didn't ask anybody from australia so i'm i'm going to ask you (laughs) 
Okay. So I'm a bit nervous. What's What's your take on the thylacine or the? Because there's reports. I see, I watch a lot of reports yeah. that people are getting like game cam shots of the like the backsides of it or mm. of the mm. thylacine. What's What's your take on that? Look, uh, considering how vast Australia is and the amount of untraced terrain you know, where people haven't actually been yet. I mean, there's, there's some really rugged and tough wilderness out there that people get lost in and never come back again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much isolation here that it's not fun. Uh, and I honestly believe that more of Australia hasn't been discovered than has been. So um, by that I mean as in bike through or venture through by human activity or human footprint. Um yeah, I honestly believe that there is a good chance that we do have thylacines that still exist here in hiding. Um, animals inherently will run away from humans because we're loud, we're destructive, and over time they have learned that when there's humans around, the smell, the noise, um, and, and what they leave behind is nothing but bad use for these animals. So they will take any opportunity and they will just run in the opposite direction. And you're talking about the ultimate predator here. I mean, this this animal is, you know, I don't know if, what is that classified as a mixture between uh, 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 a wild dog and uh, or a dingo or something else. I don't exactly know what the classification of the tiger is. Um, but we ha- there has been sightings on mainland, especially around Victoria region, which is the southern part of Australia. Um, and ultimately in Tasmania as well. So they're very sleek and they're very, very, um, very good at masking themselves, especially if you have an animal that has the very similar colour to what the terrain has. Mm, you can walk yeah. past a kangaroo and you won't even see it there because it's so well. And they know to stand perfectly still as you walk past. And as soon as you establish eye contact, they'll know and they'll will go. But until then, uh, most of the times, a lot of times, they'll just remain stationary in between the trees. You won't even know that they're there. So I think a lot of people um, take, I think, take a more cynical approach as to, okay, because we haven't seen any since the last one that was held captive in the 1930s, then they must be wiped out. They, 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 there's none of them are around. But I, I disagree with that because mm. there has been, on numerous occasions, we've actually discovered certain mammal species that we thought were extinct, but all of a sudden, oh, hell, hang on, they've appeared on this island or they've appeared on mainland here. Um, so we're continuously finding species that we thought were once extinct um, that all of a sudden have appeared. The only thing is that they've gone into isolation. And because we're... You know, we're all expanding. We're cutting down forests and, and areas where you know these habitats are now being you know, threatened. Um, we're bumping these animals are essentially going into different areas, or they're migrating into different areas, trying to find different homes. And lo and behold, they're going into areas that they're probably not even used to. They're still trying to find their their ground, their home. And this is where the opportunity comes in for you know, conservationists or, or, or even national park rangers or people who study the environment to actually spot these animals. So I do believe that, that there are animals out there that we once thought were extinct but are still alive. Hmm. Because I, 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 you know, I don't know why I didn't ask anybody. I didn't ask Sarah or John or Gary mm. Lynn or anybody else who got question. I was, I don't know. I guess I was just so enthralled with Yowies and stuff. I don't know. So, <laughs> but um, I was going to ask you for a huge favor. Mm-hmm. Can can you do a soundbite for me? A what? A soundbite. Can you say, "Hi, this is Attila Colney, and you're listening to the Bigfoot Club podcast." Okay, I can do that. Tell me when. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Hi, my name is Attila Colney, and you're listening to the Bigfoot Club podcast. One take. <laughs> Australians, man, they do they they don't mess around. They don't. <laughs> Everybody, everybody has done one take. Like if if me and Robert do something, we we have to practice. And we're like, yeah, and we're like, hey, you're listening to the big uh, the big. Pod. Oh, don't worry. Yeah. Hey, look, when I was interviewed for for tracking the law, the amount of takes I take, it's different when you're doing it for your for your own self, um, because you're just so critical of yourself that you just feel you don't feel relaxed. You feel okay. Well, what am I saying? Am I saying this properly? You just. <laughs> 
you're outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have problems actually, you know, uh, being interviewed for my own content, let alone something else. But I guess because I'm, I feel comfortable now, I'm, I'm able to say it properly, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so far, like John Kershaw, Gary Lynn, Yowie Dan, and now Attila Caldi did it all in one take. All in one take. And, <laughs> then, and, and, you know, we got to, I just realized we, when we say soundbite, they're like, what? Yeah. And then you have, we have to explain. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, y'all did it in one take. Except Let's... except for Sarah Bignall. I think she, she she didn't want, she goes, I'll just record it and send it to you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, okay. So. Full Sarah. <laughs> but I want to, I want to, I want to shout her out. Sarah Bignall with Yaoi uh, Central Podcast. She, is the mastermind for all this setup for you know interviewing you and Gary Lynn and Yowie Dan and John Kershaw? So she is the greatest. I love her so much. Uh, <laughs> she's on. such a great person. Um, such a you know I'm I'm actually going to be a guest on her show. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. I've, I've reached big time now. So <laughs> I've made it to Yowie Central Podcast. So I haven't done it yet, but she's she's lining me up. So I'm pretty excited about that. She, reaching up those stars, man. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, Attila, is there, how does someone find you on the internet or how does someone find your, um, your shows, your documentaries, your, I mean, how does, do you like people reaching out to you or no? Well, generally, um, I'm not a researcher, so right, I'm, right. I'm a filmmaker. So if, if anyone has any research-related questions, probably best to talk to AYR or Yowie Dan gotcha. um, uh, when it comes to that. Um, my content can actually – well, we actually have a Facebook page, which is uh, the Paranormal, Paranormal Investigator Series uh, Facebook page. So we have updates on that on, on a reasonably regular basis as soon as I get information, I can update it. Uh, but we do have a website, which is paranormalinvestigators.tv. Um, and you can basically, if you access that, you can see where you can access. If you want to watch something in particular, just you know, click onto the thumbnails of the main page, and it'll take you to uh, the dedicated page for that particular topic or that particular show, and then you can, we'll tell you where you can access it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all there. Okay. Whenever uh, whenever I post this, I'll, I'll put your links, the links that you want, uh, added onto there. That way people can, whenever they're listening to the show, they can find your, your content too. Um, Very good, man. Thank, thank you, you so much for being on. I, I was, I was so nervous about having you on. <laughs> so why? <laughs> I don't know because like you're on TV, and uh, I was telling Stephen the other day, I go, we're going to interview people on TV. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's no, it, look, it's sorry to interrupt, but no, look, I mean, it, we're we're all the same. We're all for the basically after the same thing, you know. And, uh, and I really appreciate you guys actually taking the time and the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, I mean, your your show is, is awesome. Like, like I was telling you before, I don't watch a lot of Bigfoot documentaries, but I've, I've watched yours. I've been, I enjoyed it completely. So I can't wait till this next one comes out, uh, tracking the lore. I'm so excited about it. So as soon as it comes out, I'm, I'm going to post the heck out of it. I hope you don't mind. No, Robert. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. Not a problem, and I, and I mean this when I say this, Attila. If you want to come back on, I we would love to have you back on. Yeah, not a problem at all. Anytime, just let me know when you want, and I'm happy to oblige. Stephen, you got any questions for Attila before we go? Um, I, I was just going to ask Attila, and I know it's it's going to be uh, this is this is kind of tough because um, whenever I was watching Australian Skies too, mm. I specifically mm. picked that one because it, I think you're on. I don't think you're on the first one, correct? No, but I'm on the on the third one and the second one. Yeah, yeah, you're on the second one. I haven't. I have yet to watch the third one. Um, I noticed that that the, uh, whatever aliens is like r- over there in, in Australia. Do you, do you, is it possible that you would think that aliens are aliens and the Yowies? They pretty much know each other. They they've had contacts with each other. In fact, I'm willing to bet that the structures that they leave there is them communicating to the aliens. Do you, would you agree on that? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very tough question that one, you know, mm-hmm. um, I know that there's been a lot of, um, similarities where people have had close encounters and they have Bigfoot activity. Um, and it does seem like there's some kind of connection between the two, but at the end of the day, it's very, very hard to, Put your finger up. All we can really do is speculate, to be honest. Um, mm. 
and and just I guess recount those experiences that either we had or other people have had. And it's it's I guess if you have enough uh, stories that are very very similar, then you, you start to you know, sort of come up with a, a, a type of conclusion as to what actually, what is actually going on at the moment. But I've, I find it very difficult to actually sort of commit to any one answer because there's so many possibilities out there mm-hmm. um, that we, we just simply don't understand. And, uh, and, and look, it, that's what research is all about, right, guys? I mean, there are people out there that are, that are continuously investing so much of their, their money and their livelihoods um, and, and are sacrificing you know, their, their, their careers and sacrificing their relationships uh, in the pursuit of, finding evidence and, and finding answers for all of us. And I really take my hat down to those people who are out there doing this. And, and hopefully one day we might find the answers we don't know, but I really hope we do, especially in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it always, like, crossed my mind when as either a Yowie or a Bigfoot, they've, they've seen us. They they've know they know when, when they cross a human, they're like, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a human. But I'm pretty sure in their... In their walks through their the tracks that they go through the woods and stuff and they see like an alien or they see something that's unexplainable they're i wonder if they're like what what was what the heck was that or you know you know whatever (laughs) whatever it is (laughs) um just yeah it it always crossed my mind on that it's like oh yeah those are aliens so if they leave me alone i'll leave them alone whatever yeah yeah it's it's a good interesting 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 idea that conjecture Yeah, that, that's. I guess that's my silly question. Yeah, he was he was asking the silly question because he asked Yowie Dan if <laughs> if a Bigfoot trips, and we kind of we kind of goaded him to say, well, maybe they should put on thongs. <laughs> so oh. he go, yeah. Oh, that was like that was our goal. Thongs, that yeah. was our goal to get him to, to say thongs on a Yowie. Because so. uh, like, yeah, everyone hears a story of you know if a tree falls in the forest, no one's gonna hear it. Like, and then most yeah. of the time you're thinking, they go, man, that was a. A tree falling down, that sounded really bad, but obviously, no, wait, it could have been a Bigfoot that tripped. A Yowie. A, or a Yowie, yeah, a Yowie. But Maybe if you had the proper thongs, <laughs> yeah, if you had the proper thongs, that wouldn't have, uh, Yowie Dan was like, if you had the proper thongs, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make Yowie Dan a trophy with a big bloody thong on it, and I'm going to make him like King Thong the first. I mean, that's, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to be his nickname. Thumb the first series. I love it. Song. I love it. Oh, it's the first on here. Okay. Him and his thong jokes just endless. They're like bad dad jokes, seriously. Yeah, he, he sent me a picture of his like his dashboard and it was a thong oh, taped to the dashboard with a with his phone in it. Yeah, it was a, it was a phone holder. Yeah. Oh god. And I was like, man, oh, you this... can you can literally use a thong for everything. I know he could he could he needs to like make money off that or something. He should. <laughs> Copyright yeah, that, he, or he something. obviously should. I think oh, he had a man. reference to one of the first, ex- one of the worst experiences you can have is a broken plugger on your thong. Yes, yeah, yeah. He probably sent that <laughs> image to you guys as well. Oh, yeah, yeah we Attila, I, I was just thinking right now. I have, I have a new title for you. You should, What's you that? should go by Cryptid Media Entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's if I dance in front of the, if I dance in front of the camera, I might actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, next time, whenever you do uh, interviews and, and you're talking to the camera, you just gotta you gotta do that little dance and just just yeah. do a little dance and and there actually you go. my my actually my son has done uh, uh, quite a number of dances when he's because he we actually got a uh, a Bigfoot costume made uh, for this. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Wall. So um, yeah, my son actually plays the Bigfoot. But <laughs> the, the interesting part is we actually did a recreation of, of uh, Dean Harrison encounter when he encountered a Bigfoot and my son played both Dean Harrison and the Bigfoot that was chasing Dean Harrison. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's a talented kid. I got to hand it to him. but he's done a few dances. That's, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely. Out. So, did, did your um, son, did your son do the, like the coffee, the coffee commercial too? Uh, he was a Bigfoot in it as well. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, you remember you telling me that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We we did that in a record time. I think we shot that in about two and a half hours. That whole wow. thing. it was it was a record time. It was like, guys, we're running out of light. Let's just pace it. Let's go do it, do it. And the guys did a fantastic job. Seriously, uh, both 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 my son and yeah, we did. They just were straight in character. Bang, no problem at all. They knew exactly what we wanted. Um, and it was just done and dusted so quick. 
That's nice. A, that's awesome. <laughs> if anyone can get it done, it's Attila. Attila and Yowie Dan. Uh, yep. You, you, yeah. I mean, I think I think you guys should have a podcast. Yeah, I really should. I think he's already got one with, uh, with, with with David Reed. It's called the Two Bastards, and they've got a thong, obviously, as their oh iconic picture. <laughs> so, if you talk to Yowie Dan, just uh, yeah, just bring that up because uh, yeah, I think they've got it out. They've got a few episodes out anyway. Spotify. So yeah. okay, I will check it out. He didn't tell me that, man. No, he didn't say anything about it podcast i don't think they've done anything for a little while because uh, health related reasons but, okay um, okay yeah yeah but i'll be nagging him to, to keep going that's for sure well thank you for coming on man i really really appreciate it i i am humbled to have you on and you're welcome to come back thank you so much uh, attila please come back <laughs> thank you so much james for having me i really appreciate Alrighty, it Alrighty, man will you will you have a good uh rest of your day what's it like it's what two o'clock there now or what yeah, well, we're heading out into the bush, so... Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, be well, careful. Be careful and and wear your thongs, and yep. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, okay man. Bye. Bye.